Hello and welcome to Horrific Tales. In this show we celebrate the creation of independent authors and aspiring writers. Please like and subscribe and share these episodes so we can help our talented friends get as much exposure as possible. We would also appreciate if you could support our artists by following them on their individual platforms and by purchasing their works. Details on how to do this are in the episode description. In this horrific tale, a puppeteer brings a sinister side to his performance. Join us now as we present Master of Rod and String by Jason Harris. Alsange's fingers spun like a spider, cocooning a hopeless fly. Angelic performed a gliding, acrobatic and mesmerizing waltz. Sonja's own feet stood quietly over the floor. She wore flat black ballet shoes that Uncle Pavan must have purchased to help her technique be flawless. When Sonja had finished, Uncle Pavan bellowed, Isn't she tremendous? Father and mother stayed quiet. Sonja looked at her black shoes. Why had she come home so glum? I have worked so long on that dance. It would be a wonder if it weren't pleasing. Ever so modest and practical, Uncle Pavan said. But you see, she's ready to tour. Talent such as hers should not be for the Saint Simeon alone. Father opened his mouth to speak, but did not say a word. But Mother pointed at Sonja. You're bleeding, Mother said. Just my thumbs. Sonja sucked at one, then the other. Angelique's perch also had flecks of blood from where Sonja's bitten thumb oozed on the polished wood. No. Mother pointed to the back of Sonja's dress. The red splotch that soaked from her groin down her leggings. Sonja's eyes were watery, and her face blanched when she rushed to the bathroom. Peeling like a ghost nearing a stall in dissolution, Mother followed her. The rest of us waited till Mother and my sister reappeared. Still pale, she looked down at her flat ballet shoes, as if some secret answer lay between them. Mother frowned. Please, you must keep her better. Sonja is not a little girl anymore. No, Uncle Pavan said, his broad thumbs stroking the base of his chin. She is not. And you've come to take her even further away from us. Can she not at least visit more frequently? Father's bloodshot eyes glared at my jovial uncle. Pavan, hands folded behind his back as he paced the room, spoke as if lecturing to an audience at the theatre or advising an official committee. Although her early childhood was enriched by the wholesome earth, farm life does not permit full dedication to the art. Her fingers would lose their subtle feel of string and rods. Tutors from all over the world work at our school, and Sonja is our most prized pupil. And she is mine. It is no exaggeration to say that young Sonja and her puppets will achieve truly unique greatness. My chest swelled in pride for Sonja, but also poignant jealousy and longing. I had not yet been able to join her. I missed her terribly, and I craved truly unique greatness too. But why did father's hand shake, and mother nipped more furiously while uncle spoke? Father stretched his lips in a wan smile. Noble of you to take such an interest in her career. Pavan stopped pacing. He held our father's gaze. It is a good month before her first tour, a monumental step in her progress. To fully prepare her, I will teach her all that I know of the grand arts of puppetry. All that you know. Gnarling his chopped fingers in the claws, Father shut his eyes. Uncle Pavan looked away from Father's strangeness and out at the field crops cracking in the evening wind. Could you keep two children with a year like this for the farm? Father opened his eyes but said nothing. A husk of himself brought in from dry fields. Uncle Pavan hummed stepped over to me and ruffled my hair with his broad hands. Such beautiful hair, the marvel of the golden fleece here in this age of steam and steel. He drew out scissors and cut a lock of my hair, the same one I think that Angelique had pinched. He stuffed the shared lock into his inner coat pocket. Something to remember my nephew by. He patted his coat like he had stolen a big secret. 
Outside, a cat screeched in pain. I rushed outdoors to see Sebastian attempting to drag himself up the steps to the porch. His left leg was bloodied and missing half his furry toes. As I wrapped Sebastian in a towel, my family came out and saw the disaster. Oh no, Sebastian! Sonia cried. She kneeled to stroke his quivering blood-speckled ears. It's one of those overgrown foxes that did this! Father growled and clawed at his ribs. Uncle Pavan watched me pet poor Sebastian. Then he pulled out Ganuja from his coat. Why did Sonia duck as if dodging a wasp? Jealous that I finally received my own puppet present? Uncle Pavan sat Ganuja on the wicker chair. Ganuja, I trust, will be of some comfort. As Sebastian yelled his final wails, of anger, pain and fear to the mucus-coloured moon, Father did not object that I had something to cling to. The house was no home after Sonja's departure, which felt like a second death, following us so soon after the lethal mauling of Sebastian. Because Father set traps for rats that invaded our farm, now that Sebastian's watch had ended, I became accustomed to the bodies of dead rodents. I puzzled over the mystery that separated the twitch of life from the stiffness of death. When I played violin, I composed songs in D minor that were sombre and dissonant. My father wrinkled his nose at the disconcerting melodies, reminding me that I still had much to learn before I became a true musician. His guidance irritated me and made me more morose. Playing with Ganuja did not distract me from the knowledge that he too was a dead thing, no matter what ease it told me how the strings could dance a puppet to life. However, that old macabre notion of the puppet's dance of blood still intrigued me. I thought of Sebastian's still fresh corpse buried in the corner of the carafield beneath the columnar poplar tree. Wires, as it said, ran the lifeblood from the puppeteer's veins to his avatars of cloth and strings. Had Sonja's bitten and bleeding thumbs helped Angelique dance? The violin lessons, not surprisingly, were doomed to come to an end. When Father roared through the house upon discovering his polished mahogany instrument stripped of his visceral strings, the last thing he might have suspected was that I had attached those strings to poor Sebastian, to whom I tried to give life back by pinching the strings between my bleeding thumbs, moving each paw one at a time, a step closer to the milk dish. But even though I pricked my thumbs first with mother's sewing pins, so they bled at least as much as I'd seen Sonja's, it was no good. I heard Father refer to the strings as threads of catgut, but I'd always thought that it was an expression referring to how the violin sometimes whined like a feline. Years later, I'd reflect on my failure at reanimating puppetry. I would consider that because the violin strings were not conductive metal, but mere catgut after all, that they could not transmit the electric pulses of life. Dead cannot bring back dead. My wretchedness at my technical failure was compounded by the shock of what Father did next. After stirring in amazement at how I had attached myself to Sebastian, he cursed and called me a monster. Father pulled away the red and violin strings, seized Sebastian by his tail and swung him through the window. Poor Sebastian catapulted out into the muddy field. As I cowered and clutched the Ganuja for support, Father tore the puppet from my arms. He yanked apart each of his dangling legs and, crushing the torso and head between his calloused hands, hurled the only thing that I thought I could rely on out into the dark night. His voice rasped horribly. There! Let that be an end to such damned foolishness! If it were only so easy, Mother said. She shook her head at my father. Didn't you see how he took the boy's hair? Instead of rising to comfort me as I bawled like an infant buried alive, Mother's lips pressed together and she kept knitting a sweater of red triangles and blue olive-like eyes. I ran outside. Tears mixed with bloated drops of rain and slipped past my eyebrows down my sniffling nose. Clouds flickered with skinny veins of chalk-white lightning as I staggered into the field, of withered stalks and fell to the mushy ground. A ripping report of thunder crashed as I got back up from the clench of thick muck. I squished around the perimeter of the field and found Sebastian, his body twisted into a matted mess of fur, his protruding tongue rough against my grasping fingers. 
My thumb stung as I stroked his fur, pinching between the grooves of his clawed paws. Snivelling, I wiped my nose and pressed my cheeks to his whiskers, hugged the still cuddly texture that covered the wet frame of bone and sinew. Feeling the stiffness, I hurled at the strobing flashes of storm and squeezed my fist till nails bit past soil and grit. Both hands bled, and then, as I paused in the dry heaves of my affliction, I saw the glint of crimson eyes. Ganuja looked upon me. His back was supported against one of the wooden stakes, propping up an overripe tomato plant. Its rusty dry rotted flute blighted by grubs and drought, Ganuja appeared almost serene despite missing his legs. I crawled towards him and cut my right hand on a sharp rock near the base of the stake. As I hissed and raised my hand, the blood dribbled into Ganuja's sagging face. Mildew scented already from the pervasive dampness. I patted this filthy tricorny hat and winced at the sensitivity my recent injury had awakened. Elias! My parents stood in the doorway. They searched for me in the raging storm. It was father who called out, but mother walked with him into the veil of rain and blast of wind. I lay numb watching Ganuja and rubbing my fingertips against my bloody thumbs. In the whip of wet gusts, I saw Ganuja's head dip to the left, as though he were curious about my plight. And when I felt myself lifted by my parents, carrying me like some funeral burden, or sacred cargo, losing weight and gravity as though preparing to float up into the blurry sky. I glanced backwards towards the receding light of ruined crops, and I knew I saw Ganuja's placid face quiver in the smile. Those glassy red eyes stirred after me, not with the fellowship that I longed for, nor the malice that I feared I recognised, but with an appetite for that which I did not yet understand. A week later we were leaving Saint-Simon and moving to Marseille. No, we couldn't wait until the end of summer. No, we didn't have time to say goodbye to Sonja. We had to move now. Mother gave me a sewing kit and demanded I wear the sweater she'd knit with the blue staring eyes and red triangles. A traditional design her gypsy grandmother had taught her. Mother said it would keep me safe from malicious glares. I told her it was not Halloween and witches would not be out with their evil eyes. She shook her head and explained that there are other things in the world that could bear down on a boy. Make him a helpless slave to a malign will. A compliment from a false heart, she said, has more deadly venom than an insult from a proclaimed enemy. To humour her, I took the sweater, and I packed up the kit of needle and thread as well, for I did not sneer at the essential craft of sewing, which I recognised as an asset to shaping, stitching and costuming puppets that would one day be my prized companions. I could not understand these forces that pulled me from the world beyond. I was that the Sebastian and Sonja should be taken away, and I should have to leave the very house where I'd grown up with the wheat and corn and my darling sister. The only thing that I did not regret was losing Ganuja. He had become repellent with his uncanny smell leering from the ruined harvest. I puzzled over that smell among the rotting tomatoes. I could not explain the meaning of what I had witnessed, and I resented having any secret kept from me. Was all that I saw only a bad waking dream? It was not only the dream that I wondered about. I had several dreams about what might lie within Uncle Pavin's home and lurk at his school dancing puppets, tasty feasts and wild, strange celebrations. Before leaving, I tried to see Sonja at her school. I gazed with longing at the boys and girls in every room, either engaged in the design or craft of puppetry. Peering through the first open door, I saw a group of children fashioning a scarf puppet. Scarlet and indigo threads flashed while slender fingers and narrow wrists measured and cut cloth. In another room, where I heard girls' tinny clinks of laughter, I dared to open the door. Standing in the centre of the room, a giant spider puppet with an old woman's crinkly face, swerved in peg-like stalks. From beneath the ridges of the thick rubbery body, curls of brown-haired girls emerged giggling in trills when they saw me stirring. Is Sonja here? I asked from room to room. 
At last, one older girl wearing a silver berry told me Sonja was on a special trip with Master Pavan. She said she did not know where. Hearing these discouraging words, my face crumpled. My lower lip quaked, and I blinked back the best I could at the surge of warm tears. One tall boy, whose two-headed oil puppet fluttered in the hallway, laughed at me. The wings of his oil flapped above my head, and sharp talons clutched at my shoulders while the boy hooted. Woohoo! Oh, who are you? Why are you going? Boo! Hoo hoo! This taunting and frightful attack, performed with an enviable dexterity I did not yet possess, combined with my frustration and grief at not seeing my sister, drove me into paralysis. I huddled against the wall, covering my defeated eyes with my hands. Let him alone, Desmond, the older girl said. He's Sonja's little brother. Desmond's dark eyes narrowed. Both heads of the oil puppet swiveled to regard me. So what? He's not a student here. He's not good enough to get in. He's a nobody. One of the elbigs snibbled at the ends of my fleecy bangs until I batted the puppet away. I looked up at the smirking, specky-haired tormentor, and my blurry eyes cleared. Despite Desmond's scurry assault with his baleful bird, now that I calmed down, I was not quite so impressed with his showy puppetry. Nor was he ready to fight. His hands were hidden in the sheath of the oil puppet, one hand controlling each head, which bobbed simultaneously at me. I rushed forward and hit him in the gut. Still smirking, he staggered back and glared. I'll teach you who nobody is, I screamed, a loud voice from a small boy. Stop this, the girl bars between us, her silver berry glistening over her smooth hair. I hurried away before Desmond could hit me back. I had no doubt he could hit harder than me, but Desmond never withdrew his hands from his puppet. Instead, he hooded, and those damn bird heads turned and turned, yellow eyes watching, wings flapping, talons twitching. You're a nobody, and your sister, she's a whore. I clenched my fists and fled the halls of the school. The words burned as I made my way onto the cobblestone lanes. How could he say such things? Why did God let horrible kids be chosen above me? Why did Uncle Pavan take Sonja away on a special trip? I muttered prayers to St. Simeon for guidance, for a reunion with my sister. In sullen despair and stung pride, I wandered through the streets. A lost soul. At last I resolved to go to Uncle Pavan's home, hoping to find further clues about Sonja. I saw motion and light within his mansion, on the east side of the town by the river. Had Uncle Pavan returned already from the trip? At last I would discover what secrets Uncle hid. From an immense yew tree that flanked one side of his house, I peered through a window. Uncle sat in a robe of what looked like scarlet silk, before the fireplace. He dangled a marionette in one hand, and gripped Sonja's wrist with the other. I could not see my sister's face, to see if she might be suffering, or what exactly my uncle was doing with her. I edged along the used thick branch and stepped onto the parapet, so I could see better. Something hung from the strings near the fireplace. Ganuja, still dirty, and his red eyes had been torn out. I still felt the living gaze of the vegan sockets upon me. I shivered. As orange flames blurred and waved in the fireplace, Uncle Pavan, now bare-chested, but coloured with jagged inky angles of arcade etchings in his flesh, pulled at the strings of the dancer. Angelique shining with starry specks hanging from her cottony hair. Then Angelique stepped forward and seemed to dance by herself. A chill ran through me. My sister pulled away from Uncle Pavan, but she did not run or scream. She stared at the glamorous puppet, then one of its dainty hands touched Sonja's throat. My sister's skin reddened. She shrieked as if on fire. Her nose bloomed with blood. My fists trembled, and I almost pounded on the glass. But I feared I could do no good. I was not yet strong enough to save my sister and St. Simeon had not saved her either. I stirred with fury and agony at the hideous performance of Uncle Pavan. He no longer held the puppet's strings. Yet, its arms and legs stretched forward, 
One glitter-dusted pink cloth palm reached towards the drops of blood that slid down my sister's face. I held my breath, astounded that the rumours of uncle's living puppets were true, and I raged inside, as if hot wires twisted within my chest, to see that my sister should be so grotesquely used. I ground my teeth and wished I had knives to throw at the puppet and my unnatural uncle, to cut them to bits. Angelique's slender neck twisted as she suddenly turned towards me. Simultaneously, Ganuja began to swing from his fireside perch like a conscience pendulum. I practically fell in shock. My wonder increased when I saw that while my uncle Pavan did not touch the strings, one of Angelique's puppet hands shot out without his manual guidance to slap Uncle Pavan's face before he could follow the gaze of his puppets and spot me. Rushing back from the parapet to the yew tree and clambering down, I sprained my ankle with my haste. Limping back to my parents, I knew they would rebuke me if I mentioned what I did, so I stayed quiet while horror crawled through my stomach and stabbed my chest every time I thought of my captive sister. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you want to keep up to date with future episodes, then subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow our social media pages. You can also give the channel support by visiting our merchandise store and picking up some of our items. We would also appreciate it if you took a moment to support our contributing artists who very kindly lend their talents to the show. Check out the links in the description to see how you can do this. Well, that just leaves me to say, until next time my friends, keep it creepy, keep it horrific. <laughs>